Amen. Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody this morning. My name is Pastor Rich. We're sitting here, and I saw we have some parents from Sing Song this weekend. Good to see you guys. Uh, I know you had an awesome time. I was reading the paper. And also those online want to say good morning. So I'm ready to go. And if you guess this morning, again, good to see you. We saw a new series called, How Many Love That Video? My City. Yeah. We're going to have a great time the next three weeks talking about my city, talking about Abilene, Texas, and the uniqueness of Abilene, Texas. We know as a church, God's place is here to make an impact. We also know that this sermon, so we're going to do a highlight how we can serve our neighborhoods, serve our people, serve our community, and we can see a great lasting impact in our city, but also for the kingdom of God. So we're going to look at two or three things. Today is called City on the Hill because our church, actually our, our city has been called City on the Hill. But the next few weeks we're going to talk about diversity. We know how many know Abilene is very diverse? We're an amazing city. we got Dias Air Force Base. we got three, four, four major universities here from all over the place. And then we have all the different things, a medical group and all that. It's an amazing city for only that, uh, square footage that we have. And we're going to talk about that. We also, we connect the city. We love one another. We do a lot of things in community. And each way, we're going to talk about how we can touch our city in such a practical way. And I'm really excited about it. Today, what I call City on a Hill. That's today's message, City on a Hill. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13 through 16. This is Jesus uh, speaking, and I'll give you a little backdrop after we read it. But he starts off on the definition of who we are as a people of your Christ follower. He says this, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses taste. How shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on, but on a stand and give it light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. And I ask God, the definition of who we are, let it resonate in our spirits. Let your words resonate in our hearts to bring transformation of our motives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me give you a backdrop on the book of Matthew and where we're coming from. Jesus is, um, in the book of Matthew, is written to all, a Jewish congregation, a Jewish population. And really, you hear a lot of things about kingdom. And you see in 5, verse 5, it's talking about the Sermon of the Mount. And that's an amazing sermon. I went to Israel a few, uh, last year, and I stood at the mountain where he spoke to all the people out there. They had a long sermon. If you go from chapter 5 to chapter 7, it's a Sermon on the Mount how he talks about loving your enemies, talks about all those things. What he's saying is there's a new king in town. That's the, that is the, what the uh, backdrop is. There's a new king in town but has new establishment on what we want to do in my kingdom, and we're part of his kingdom. And when he says since there's a new king in his kingdom, he starts off in Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 13, talks about the beatitude. He talks about our character of kingdom people. What is our character? And then we, where we are now, he talks about our influence of a disciple. First, the character of the disciple, and then our influence of a disciple. And it's an amazing book. I said, if anybody would just take chapters 5 through 7 and read it constantly and meditate it uh, tremendously, we would end all the problems in the world. It's an amazing sermon. And what he's saying is, there's a new king, and we knew new kingdom rules. And I have kingdom people who are going to establish those rules through their conduct and through their preaching. And that's what he's saying. And you'll see here, talks about, he has two metaphors, metaphors, salt and light. Salt and light, very important things in the, in the ancient days. What is he saying? As believers, we're called to arrest decay. And the second thing, we're called to dispel darkness. Arrest, decay, dispel darkness. It's amazing. What is he saying? Our lives on this planet, on the earth, in our world, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods is very, very important. 
You're placed strategically anywhere you work, wherever you go to, wherever you go to school. You're there strategically. What? To do what? Arrest, decay, and dispel the darkness. How many want that assignment? That is what he's calling us. And he didn't just say call you to do it. He says you are it. It's amazing when he says you are it. I identify who you are. Now go do it. Versus go do it and you don't know who you are. He says you are salt. Go do it. You are light. Go do it. In case you're upset, you don't understand who you are, this is who you are on the earth as kingdom people. That's what I love about this series. I'm talking about my city. I love it. And he's saying we're influencers. We influence, we're called to influence the common culture. We're not part of the culture. We're above the culture. We're our own culture. Where our job is to dispel darkness and arrest decay. You're the preservative and you're a lighthouse. And that changes a whole lot. You mean I'm not just coming to church? No. You are the church. Not inside, and this is where we gather to get information on what we're supposed to do all week. But you are the church. You are salt and light. Where, and where is that at, Pastor? Where you spend most of your time? In the community. On your campus. That's, what you, that's who you are. And that's what you're called to do. Sound like the army, doesn't it? You didn't know you were drafted. When you said, <laughs> I let Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, Jesus said, whoop, you're drafted. That's it. You mean I didn't come to sit? No, come to be salt. I didn't come to hide? No, you call light. I'm going to manifest wickedness all over the place, so you have to show up. Everybody said, the world is going for your benefit. I don't like my job. That, well, sorry, that's your assignment. I don't like my class. That's your assignment. Amen? Not too many amens. <laughs> I'm going to quit my job. Don't quit because you'll go to a worse place. You need to get promoted out of your job so you get more work. Amen? So we're salt. First thing, when you kick this off, he says this, which is amazing when he says this. We are the earth's salt. We are earth's preservative. Now, which means we are the city's salt. We're here to preserve Abilene, Texas. But he didn't need to stop there. We're here to preserve the earth. Wow, that's amazing. Now, if you know a little bit of my background, I'm, an ex I'm a mili uh, re military retiree, my wife and I. My job in the military was survival. I'm a city boy from New York City, and they stuck me in a job. I had no idea it was going to happen. I thought I'd be around the airplanes all the time. I didn't know I'd be in the woods trying to live. They send you up to Washington State, and they show you how to survive in the woods for seven days. And the first thing they want you to do is you have to make beef jerky. And we would take some nice sirloin, cut it nicely, salt it, and leave it out and let it dry for three to four days, get ready, pack up our backpack, and head on out. And what we would do to keep it cold, we'd get by the water, we'd um, pull up the grass and the dirt, and we put it in a plastic bag with more salt and put it in there and preserve it. Because this food is supposed to last us all week. The problem is, after the first night and then the second night, that was our rations, we destroyed them because we were hungry. And we said we would never kill anything to eat. And day three, when the little rabbit came around, <laughs> I'm sorry, if you, <laughs> you have a problem with rabbits, they're pretty good. And we killed the rabbit. And you got to say your pastor was so hungry, he ate the rabbit's eye. It's like saline. It's okay. Now, you can eat the stomach. That's really good. Nutrients. Anybody want to come to my house for a barbecue? <laughs> and this is what the United States military said I am supposed to do. So I did that so I can teach them how to do that. That was an amazing time. 
Okay? I don't know if they do that today because I think it's a little softer now, but it was fun for me because it's like I'm a city boy. Here I am living in Washington State doing this stuff. I wouldn't believe I'd do this. But what it's saying is it was, I was so thirsty when we ate that, ate that uh, beef jerky that we went down and, and drank water out of a place we would never drink water from. But it made me thirsty, and it preserved the meat. And when people meet you, do you make them thirsty for Jesus? And do you know everywhere you're at, you're there on purpose to, to preserve that which is trying to take them down. If you're on campus, that's that campus is there because you're there. That's your assignment. If you're in your workplace and you complain about your job, stop complaining about your assignment. You want to get promoted. How many want to get promoted? Well, work your assignment so you can get more work. And what does that mean? <laughs> and then he has a rhetorical question he puts in here. He said, but if Saul has lost his taste, how shall the saltiness be restored? That's a rhetorical question because salt never, le- never loses its taste, never loses its saltiness. Only if it's mixed with impure ingredients will it mo- uh, lose its effectiveness and they would throw it on the ground for people to trample over or something to walk or uh, vehicles to go over. Talking about us as salt. True disciples do not lose their saltiness. The only thing that makes us lose our saltiness is when we get, get mixed up in impure, impure ingredients. When you call to walk with God, but you're so caught up in the world and you want to be relevant in the world and you want to be in God, and then all these things mixed up, and then you're called to have influence, and you become ineffective because they look at your life and say, well, you're not so much different from me. Why would I even listen to you? And we're caught up, and we're caught up in between. And the ingredients get mixed over time, and you lose your effectiveness. And no one wants to be any of that. Any of that. That which is impure. Was he saying, I want you to look up verses 3 through 12. And those are pure ingredients that you need to live your life by. Only the pure in heart shall see God. You mean that's part of it? Yes. Go up there and he'll show you the first, those chapters, those verses, know how to land on these last three. He doesn't stop there. He gets even worse. How about this? I want you in a time where people are cursing at you and they want to they slander you and they want, I, want you to do, I want you to do this. Love them. Sermon them out. Love your enemies. Now, we think enemies are someone that cuts us off in the car. Jesus is talking about a whole different culture. A guy's about to knife you or shoot you and you love them down off it. Are you kidding me? No, he's not kidding. The Bible's not a set of suggestions. This is the way we live every day. You want to be influential? You got to live this every, everyone say, every day. Every day. Think about it. So it doesn't lose its saltiness. Remember, true disciples cannot lose their effectiveness. Because if you don't have it, it's because you're not a tr- disciple. I'm here to tell you, hard work doesn't work. Only the Holy Spirit working through you to work through others. I love this quote by R.B.G. Tasker in his book on a commentary on Matthew. He says, disciples are to, be, are to be moral disinfectant, where moral standards are low, constantly changing or non-existent. Disinfectant. I mean, all of us are probably, probably have been acquainted with disinfectant because of the flu season. Amen? You can't wait for someone who's been coughing your office to spray it up with Lysol. <laughs> Lysol was the highest selling product this whole month. Well, guess what? Your call to be Lysol. 
to disinfect your office. It's not hard. Because if you live in the life that Jesus said to live, whenever they curse, they say, I'm sorry. Why would they say sorry? I didn't say anything yet. Why? Because the Holy Spirit goes and convicts the heart before you even say anything. Isn't that amazing? What are you doing? I'm disinfecting the neighborhood. I'm standing, I'm, we're helping this out here. They didn't want to curse in my presence, so I hang around them all the time. Why do you keep following me? Because I don't want you to curse and hurt yourself. I don't want you drinking yourself to death. I'll hang out with you. I can't drink when you're, I know. <laughs> Something makes me, I know. I felt the same way too. My, my bishop followed me everywhere he, got. he had, We had the greatest parties in the world. Had the greatest parties. Two o'clock in the morning, we're waiting for him to leave. He won't leave. <laughs> and we have, we have things here. This is years ago. I mean, like 40 years ago. And we have our, our drinks right here. He knows they're there. And they're getting warm. And the answer's starting to get into it. And we're like, will you leave? And then, he, and then when he left, we all left with him. Like, oh, okay. So we just threw it all out. And I asked him, I said, Bishop, what was your secret? He said, I didn't want you to hurt you. Getting that drink, that stuff, and get in your car and have an accident. He'd tell us stories all night to keep an eye on each and every one. But next thing we know, we became his, his next uh, elders. The influence of salt. Of things that are decaying quickly. For our benefit. That's what it's about. Don't hate the place you're in. Fall in love with it. In fact, fall in love with the people of the place you're in. And when you fall in love with the people, they'll fall in love with Jesus. And that decay will slow down. Do you know your workplace is successful because you're there? This is a God. No, it's not God forsaken because you're there. You don't understand. I know you don't understand. I don't understand. Only you understand you work there. That's your assignment. Pastor Rich, Pastor John, can you come over and pray? No, why don't you pray for him? My assignment's here and on airplanes when I fly. I came to, went to Houston this last weekend. It was a beautiful, our church there is doing well. They're looking about going to four services. Pastor Chris and Casey are amazing leaders. They came out of this church. It's an amazing time. I get to fly on the airplanes. I get my headphones on, want to read something, and all of a sudden, They want to talk. And they've been up all night. You can tell. Oil man, what a party. I know, it's everywhere. But to the Lord said, that's how you used to act. So I'll talk to him and have a great conversation. Until I say I'm a pastor, they want to tell me all about their Sunday school story. But it's okay. I see was, I'm here to help him. Because that's what God assigned him. You know, you never, you never pick your own assignment. You know God assigns people to you? You know the people you cannot stand right now in your office or on your campus? They're your assignment. No, and there's two things happening. God's trying to teach you how to love, and it's showing them that you're the agent of change. Ooh, ouch. I'm just getting started. We don't even... Now, if you fly overseas, here's the secret. Just bring out your Bible. 15 hours, they all want to walk, they want to walk over, sit over there. But you see them there, they say, here, this is my Bible. I'm going to read the whole book of Genesis with you. It's 15 hours on the flight. Don't look at the map. Just look at the Bible. I'm sleepy. You can't sleep now. You just woke up. I'm reading the whole Bible because the only chance I get to do this. We're going to be on this plane 17 hours. Isn't that a joy? Huh. Do you have any drinks? You don't even want to drink because I'm sitting there. <laughs> That's cool. An agent. And here's the thing. Don't say you're not qualified. John 17 says this. Jesus was praying for his disciples. The glory that, that um, you have given me, Father, I've given them. The radiance, the attractiveness, the influence, I've given to them. You have it. But you got to Mine it out. He didn't just stop there, though. He goes even higher now. You're the earth's 
salt, we're the city salt. He says, you're the world's light. Since we're the world's light, we are the city's light. City's light? Yes. You're the light of the world. A city on set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. I love that. Wherever you walk into where there's darkness, you bring the light. Everyone's talking about the glory of God. The glory of God's coming. Yeah, the glory of God is coming and he's packaged like this. Why? Because the glory is in me. Why? The church is people, not a building. So when they see you, they see a remembrance of Jesus. What color is Jesus? Does it really matter? In fact, he's your color. He's your size. He's your age. You don't like yourself? Get over it. He loves you. And he has a sense of humor. He picked me. But what is he saying? Jesus says this. That he even says, I'm the light of the world in John 8, 12. But he says this, we are, so we are to reflect his light, which means we're reflecting his mind and his will. Nothing they taught me in school can't take credit for any of this. It's when you're out in the woods, and I taught this to guys, I take this to aviators all the time. I said the most important, the most important instrument you have in your, your rucksack, or your kit, is the signal mirror. It doesn't matter how bright it is, it works in darkness. How's everyone doing? Y'all liking this? What you do, you take it, and you line it up. And if you're out in the woods, where you got to get in the clearing, and an airplane from 20 miles up, or 20 miles out away, from air to ground. I might be 25. I'm not sure anymore. I've been out, I've been out a long time. But my eighth people will correct me when I'm over. Uh, and they will see where you are. And they come get you. Well, Jesus flipped the script. People walking into your workplace. Out of darkness. And said, some of y'all came into church this morning. Have a dark and cloudy place. And you met, I serve. And they said, hey, how you doing? light just shined on you. And you're like, I feel warm. I feel like I'm a family. I feel like I'm supposed to be here. It's a reflection of Jesus. Now you got to fill yourself up because light in those days is lamps. You use lamps. And you can't run out of oil. What is that oil? The Holy Spirit. Moses had a great time staring in, says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, the more he looked at the glory of God, the more it shone on him. And he says, we are, as he is now, when we look in, the, in God's word, we're being transformed. He came off the mountain so bright they had to put a bag over his head. And they said that was temporary. But you ever see someone who's just full of God? You just, I got to be around this person. They're just glowing. Something's different about them. Why? They've been filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Every day. Everyone say every day. Every day. Not once a week. Every day. Single day. Every day. And you show up. You're the light of the world. You're the beacon of hope. That's who you are. That's exactly who we are. And you want to show up with the joy of the Lord on your face. Don't you? I mean, I can't I can't even have the. I can't even put on my hands how many people come by to me. Um, I'm so stressed out. I'm dealing with anxiety. I've been having anxiety attacks, and and I'm like, okay, where do you work at? And, I, and people are just having anxiety attacks over nothing. Nothing. They see us. Well, we might get laid off. Well, okay, we might. That's just one resource. I'll pick up another resource. How can you be that way? Well, because this is not my source. This is a resource. Now, I'm just answering the question. Don't get upset with me. You know, you know have you noticed how influential you are? When people ask you a question, you answer it. 
and they get mad? Why are you pushing your, I didn't say anything. And you're pushing your religion on me. No, I haven't even gotten your space yet. What is that? The light penetrating the darkness of their soul. And you know what happens? You represent the people they want to be like. They will never say it. They will never say it, but you represent it on your worst day. Come on, we got to get past the, you know, what they, they see us now. Oh, Lord, it's, it's so hard. And I'm like, really hard? And we celebrate failure. And we're crying in our workplace. And we have all the answers. We are the answer. What happened to Christians? You'd be excited when you first got saved. Now it's like, oh, well, you know, disappointment. On what? What are you disappointed about? God should be disappointed in me. He got the short end of the deal. <laughs> or we got into this self-righteous thing. I'm all, you're nothing. I'm nothing. And it says in the word, just dirt, clay, a jar of clay with the glory of God in it. Praise God for the glory of God, because this is just clay. This is a, I'm in a bad place. Because when I send people to you, you need to smile at them. Good to see you. Nah, I'm going to be here. Yeah. <laughs> or our city. How many love our city? Yeah. It says this in the Bible. Through the words, through the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted. When we've been praying over 15 years for our city to be exalted, and we're watching things open up, we got new neighbors coming. It's about to get real busy here on Sundays. We won't be able to park in our parking lot. We're going to park on the new one they gave us across the street for free. But if you have someone you say, I don't like my city, well, go to San Angelo. I don't like my college. Well, go somewhere else. You're blessed to go there. They picked you. Complaining. I don't like. You know, I don't like. And there's nothing worse than a complaint. You know what? It's ringing to your ears. It's like the blackboard with your fingers. You ever hear that? That's, you know what that sounds like? A, a complaining Christian. With all the glory of God in them, all the hope of God in them, all the vision of God in them, all the gifts of God in them, all the, uh, the fruit of God in them, and they're sitting on it like, I'm not satisfied. Someone need to prove something to me. They don't prove nothing. And I tell young people all the time, your parents don't owe you anything. Parents say amen, right? Yeah. <laughs> they don't owe you nothing. Hey, you in school? <laughs> That's a good deal. And you ain't paying for it? Oh, that's a really good deal. I come from a place, if I act for $7 sneakers, I got the sermon. <laughs> Try to do ACU on $7. I won't get nothing at the beam, will I? But uh, <laughs> thank you, Pastor Rich. Get out. <laughs> Here's the thing. Are you light among your family? How about your coworkers? How about your culture? Are you light? Are you shining with Jesus in you? It's weird, but it's not. Interesting thing, when I was walking in the world, I would meet Christians, and they seemed like they were miserable. You know, ah, this world is just, it's just, it's hard on us. And I'm like, I don't want nothing in that, because I think I'm more successful walking away from God than you are walking with God. All right? It didn't prove anything to me. And there's the other thing we got, we got to learn not to do. We're not called to be secret agents. We're not called to live underneath a, a bucket with our life. We're not secret agents. Shh, don't tell anybody I'm a Christian. You know, the way you act, they couldn't tell. I didn't say that first, I'm sorry. Because we're trying to be relevant, dress relevant. Now, how would you like me if I'm, trying to, if I'm up here in skinny jeans? Really? Really? That's that's society says, if you want to be a successful pastor, you wear skinny jeans with holes here, and you wear this shirt that's long, and you start buffing up. Really? I don't have time for that. I'm on a Mediterranean diet, and I go upstairs, and I work out. I'm good to go. And I love loose clothes, 
because that was my dream. When I became 64, I still want to see my feet. Praise God. God's amazing. <clears throat> I got to get through this, son. But we're not called to be secret agents. See, our faith was more than a private decision. It's a public declaration. What does he say here? Verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before who? So they may, what? See your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. See, the gospel must be heard for people to know it and seen for people to see it. More than a fish in your cubicle and you playing Christian music and you're acting like someone you don't want to be around. What you say needs to line up on what you're doing. That's hard. That's hard. It's not easy. But through the power of God and transformation, he makes it work through me. It's not easy. We're good at it. Hey, the Pharisees were great at it. Do what I'm not doing. He's saying, if you want to be an effective witness, the reason why you're effective because your walk is effective. The reason why you're successful because your walk is successful. I love what Tony Evans says. You will rarely see what God is willing to do in secret until you see what he's willing to do in public. What's he saying? God speaks to us in private. Go pray for that person. Go talk to that person. Go love on that person. And then you see God do amazing things through it, but he won't do amazing things through it until you go out publicly and do it. Not just say it. Do it. Your next door neighbor, go pray for him. Knock on the door. We're Abilene. We'll connect the city. Give them something. Your kids go to school with a snack. Give it to one of his best friends. Something practical. Let him see. Why? Because we're agents of redemption. We're a beacon of hope for our city, for our campus, for our area. We're the beacon of hope. When everyone's saying it's not going to work, they come see us. Not just in here, out there. Who says it can't work? Who says they can't redo that building? Who says they can't redo your job? Who says you can't, your company can't grow? Who says your marriage can't change? Who says your kids won't grow up and be successful? Who said that? You know who said that? The one who doesn't want that. But who says you can't? God says you can. And everything in him is yes and amen. I'll give you a story. I know in this story. We all know about the story of Solomon Gomorrah. A lot of us think that basically God destroyed Solomon Gomorrah because of his wickedness. But that's not if you saw reading it. Abraham was walking with God. They came down in person, and they were holding something back. There. And Abraham said, what are you holding back from me? Well, I heard the cries of my people in Solomon Gomorrah, and I'm going to go and deal with this city. And he says, I can't leave this. Abraham, since you're my friend, I can't leave this out and let you know that we're about to destroy your city that your nephew Lot is in. Because Lot's there because Lot, Lot loved big cities. He loved to walk with God in one foot. He loved the life of the, um, of the city in the other foot. I mean, a lot of, you know, hey, I'm God on Sunday. but uh. And Abraham had this petition with God. How can you destroy the city? If you have righteous people in it, because you are, you, are, you are a marvelous God. You are a merciful God. There's, there's righteous people in there. And he said, Lord, if there's 50 people, will you say, yes, by your word, Abraham, because you're, uh, you're interceding on their behalf, there's 50 people, I won't destroy it. And Abraham started thinking about Solomon and Gomorrah. Wasn't there really, wasn't even 50 people there. He started going down. Lord, how about 45? Abraham, by your word, I will save the city on 45 righteous people. He keeps going down. Lord, I know you, you, you uh, 
If, you have, if I have faith in your sight, how about 40? Abraham, 40 is great. Lord, I'm trying to get somewhere. I know God should have said, we just get to the point. But he was teaching him how to intercede for his people. Remember, he's the preserv- you're the preservative of life. He was exercising his preservatives. And being a, there's a light. There's light down there. How about 30? Fine. How about 20? Great. How about 10? God said, okay, if there's 10 people that will not destroy the city. Problem is, Lot, his wife, two daughters, and two knuckleheads they were engaged to. Knuckleheads were so far in the world because they compromised and said, well, just you can marry my daughters. They didn't even recognize when God walked in the building. When the angels were standing in front, they kept laying down there. And then a lot of things took place. If you want to go there, Genesis, is Genesis 18, um, 16 to 32. There's a, it's a great story. And he says, you got to leave. I can't even find 10 people here. In fact, out of these 10, <laughs> I got one and a half. Maybe three. Lot's wife leaves. And you know how it is when God takes you to a new place, you like to hold on to the old life. She looks back, she turns into a pillar of salt. She goes. And his daughters had something in them too. He destroys the city. And here's my thing. God, you got 200 people in the church. For 200, because you're hearing all these things from us uh, Christians. God's going to judge the earth, and God's going to destroy America. Are you kidding me? Why would he destroy America when we're here? Why would he destroy Abilene when we're here? Abilene is in the the center of Texas. In fact, you got to magnify it out to find Abilene. You got Dallas. Even Midland gets more. Well, they got oil. More light. (laughs) You pull it up, and then they call us the key city. Dead center. Our church is dead center. God, why would you destroy downtown when we're here? God, why would you destroy my campus when we're here? Why would you destroy? It doesn't matter what happens on campus. If you change everything around, all God's doing is exposing what's not there and gives them more opportunity to get and bring more uh, the gospel to people. Why would he do that? Get rid of them doomsday theology. Matthew 24, 14, until this gospel is preached to all nations. Then the end will come. I'm, when, when is the end going to Don't even worry about the end. Do your job. Do your assignment. Where's my assignment? At the bank. Where's my assignment? On the campus. Where's my assignment? On the base. Where's my assignment? CPS. Where's my assignment? That's your assignment. And when you get done with that assignment, I'm going to promote you to more work. Well, that's not Pastor John's job. No, it's not Pastor John's. His job is to equip the saints for the work of, and we think ministry is this glorious thing. All ministry is is service. That's what it means in the Greek, service. Salt and light. Someone move because you're waiting on God to do something. Now I got, some, I got some old folks in here with me. I mean, seasoned folks. How many remember driving a car without power steering? And you sitting in the parking lot. The only time it moved and steered when you were moving what? And God's sitting there with us right now. Some of us are stuck in the seats. Worrying about nothing. It's our assignment. He didn't destroy Simon Gomorrah because of the salt and light was in that city. But he destroyed it because it wasn't enough. One with God is a majority. But you got to take the assignment. Here, I can't even make you take an assignment. I can't even make you be more influential. Because it, but here's the problem with America today. See, we think the difference, they think the opposite of love it's hate. It isn't. Opposite of love is indifference. You can care less about people, so you won't live your life up to the level that God called you to reach people. And you'll blame everyone else, but it's not. But
but you'll never miss, you'll miss your true calling, what God called you to do. Now, here's what's happening in America. There's a book I've been reading with Ed Stetzer called The Christians in the Age of Outrage. He has part two I looked up last night. I got to get that book. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reader. And I believe leaders are readers. Here's an application. What is God saying? We've been known for everything that we don't agree with. He says, stop complaining and start engaging. Philippians 2. Listen to this. Do all things. Everyone say all. Without grumbling or questioning that you may be blameless and innocent, so no one have nothing on you. Children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. You mean he knew back then it was going to be a perverse generation? Yes, he did. This is Paul speaking. Among whom you shine as light in the world, holding fast, holding fast, holding fast, the very word of God, holding fast, not weekly, every day, because you're going to represent God's mind and God's will on the earth. Every day. Everyone say every day. So that the day of Christ you may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. We have become so judgmental. We have become so self-righteous about what the world is supposed to be about. We have walking around this high level of perfectionism and against the world and against one another. We forget they're not perfect and you're not perfect. And we're to reach the world. Not time you don't care about immigration. And what we have, he said, what? What type of Christians? First one is the nominals. They say churches are shrinking because the nominals are becoming nuns. They're just walking away from God. Second one is the congregational. We see them on Easter. We see them on Christmas. And we see them when trouble comes. And then when it's over, they're gone. And then there's convictionals, the crazy ones. Someone will say, you guys are just so over the top. Thank you. That's a compliment. But the one that's destroying our witness and our light is the one he talks about cultural. Cultural Christians, they're feeling that their Christian, their, their Christian culture is going away. And they think their job is to bring it back. So we'll jump into politics and we'll get with politics and they'll bring it all back. And we'll get in culture and we'll, def- we'll get ahead and def- We'll get down all piece of culture. We don't like immigration. We don't like this. If you're a Democrat or you're a Republican, I can't stand you. And we put all our passion in that. And no passion in the gospel and people. And then we, get, we offend each other because, you know, in our church, we're all, we're all diverse. We'll offend each other. I'm for Trump. I am for him. I am from him. And we'll wear shirts and we'll wear hats, offend one another. And all we're doing is trying to climb a ladder that's not meant for us to climb. And we'll come climb with Jesus and pray for our nation for it to change, for us to go into our nation to change the people, not to be affected by the culture. And we complain about everything, grumble about, I don't like this, I don't like that, build a wall, do that. And these are Christians. This this won't even get to the outside yet. Because outside looking and say, well, if you guys are like that, forget it. And then we're waiting for someone else to do it. The glory of God will do it. Hey, the president will do it. Congress will do it. No, no, no. You will do it. And we put our ladder against something that's not even there. I'm passionate about it. I'm watching things. I'm like, are you kidding me? We get mad at a cup in Starbucks. A cup. Jesus can't come because of a cup. Let's blast them and let's, let's, oh, let's boycott them. Really? Boycott them? I like coffee. <laughs> you mean this cup is going to cut me from, stop me from serving Jesus? Yes, that cup is a man. Home Depot says something. Oh, Home Depot, boycott them. If you have another boycott, because someone said something. They took down the Ten Commandments off the wall. That's boycott them. Hey, that's old law. New law covenant says, I'm going to write the laws on your heart. They can't take your heart. They can take a stone. They can't take your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And what is that in the cultural? They're so passionate about their cause yeah. and not passionate about Jesus. Yeah. And that's not in the Bible. 
Now you're nominal, congregational, cultural, or convictional. I'm so glad he put it that way. Because those who are excited for Jesus get labeled like you're over the top, your personality, it's not my personality. Will you get over that? It's not my personality sitting up here at all. It wasn't my personality in the woods either. It just wasn't. Think about it. Do all things without... It won't say all. What does it mean in the Greek? What does it mean in the Hebrew? All things. Campus, my coach, yes, all things. My neighbor, yes. My boss, yes, all things. You mean together, all of us as a church? Yes, all things. Because you're not perfect and they're not perfect. But you're the disinfectant. You're the peacemaker. You're the cavalry. Why? Because you are, <laughs> you are the soul of the city. You are the light of our city. You don't like crime? Start praying for your police department. In fact, go get a ride and walk that neighborhood and start praying it out of here. We don't like immigration? Start winning people to Jesus. Stop finding the cause for what God's trying to do and go what God called you to do. And find something you want. Here's why I want to say this. I'm going to close on this. Dr. King said this. You haven't found something that you're willing to die for. You're not living a good life. What are you willing to die for? I know I'll die for my children. But what, what has God put in your heart that you're willing to die for? Why? Because we had a Savior that was willing to die for our souls. What are you willing to die for? If it's immigration, get in the middle of that. Go, run, go, go get in the office there and start, and start making change. Stop blaming other people that well, you won't take a step. What are you willing to die for? And what you're willing to die for in the gospel, you'll have passion for. And your passion will restore. When you, have no, no way, you don't know where you're going, you're like this. Well, whatever, whatever. And that it is, it's called indifference. You can care less. Hope I get the glory. Sorry, y'all. No. What are you passionate about? This is what Jesus said in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. We're kingdom people. This is what we're thinking about now, being salt and light. This is what we're thinking about taking our enemies and making them friends. We're thinking about getting, make, bringing peace where there's, there's division. That's what I'm passionate about. And Here's the thing. People are going to offend me all day, but it's not going to stop me from doing it. Because I'm passionate about dying on this hill. Our city on a hill. How many love your city? How many want to see it change? Go do it. One soul to Jesus. It's amazing. Amen? Let's all stand. Most of the time I preach to myself. Because the older I get, the more I'm inflexible I can get. And I have to read the Bible, have, keep my house soft, because I've seen a lot. But the Lord just said, start looking at things at 10,000 feet. The only change that you want to see in America right now resides in each and every one of your hearts. Someone in his building has a cure for cancer, but you don't want to activate it. Some of you have gifts and callings, you don't want to activate it. You have a lot, but you got to activate it. Only you can do it. I can't do it. But look at 10,000 feet. What is he saying? It's the greatest part, hour of our lives. As everything starts to go south, we start to raise up a new standard. And we love people. How do you want to end racism? Love them. Not chase it down and find out who did it. I don't care who did it. We have division in our own world. Is she a woman in a church? Yeah, she's a woman in the church. Okay, so what? What do you want? What are you trying to say? In fact, she's more annoying than you are. Sorry. But I mean, really? Really? That's the enemy's ploy to break us up so we won't do what he called us to do. God told us to do. So we major on minors. 
And guess what? When you get my age, I don't have time for major or minors. In fact, I don't remember minors. Praise God. But I'm here to encourage you. And this week, go out with some pep in your step. I'm getting up in the morning because I have a mission. I have a mission at my job. Even if I'm, even if I'm homeschooling, I've got a mission to raise up the next generation that's going to make a standard. Because when, when you have a jump out here, you're going to have, you're going to hit the roof in here. Amen? Look, you're not the sum, you're not the sum total of your, of your problems. In fact, you probably have problems because you're doing everything right. I got any amens in here? So get used to that. I'm used to it. That's why I have slick hair. I can slide through. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these amazing people. I love these people. Lord, I pray right now, I see a prophetic word saying, the gifts and callings that we have, I pray you activate them right now wherever they are in that neighborhood, wherever they are in that job, wherever they are on that campus, Father God. I pray you light the fuse, Lord. Light the fuse in their heart. Let them know the salt needs to be salted. Let them know light that's in them. Let them know that's their identity, not anything else. Not how much money they make, not where they live. Father, it's what you put in us intrinsically by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray you lift up those who need to be lifted up. Father, lift us above our circumstances. And let us know, whatever circumstance we have, those who are outside of us who don't know Jesus have worse circumstances. Ours is temporary because we come with you. Theirs is permanent because they're totally going to be waste from you all their lives. Well, I pray for everyone here. Bless them. Speak to them in the secret so they'll do those things in public. Let them know the job they have is because that's a job you assigned them. And no one else can do it. But I declare them special forces planted in the enemy's camps to bring disruption and bring the gospel. Father, let us know your heart to bring people who are far from God to God. to reach people and build community. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.